our uh, parenting series. It's called Parenting by the Book. Now, the first week... Now, this is a different kind of parenting series than you're used to. You're going, oh, okay, it's a parenting series, so you're going to teach me when should I put the kid to bed at night, how should I, you know, discipline him. You know, a lot of practical stuff about raising children. Should I save up for college at this point? Thank you. And, um, yeah. And... And we're actually going to get to that next week. But what this parenting series is, it's kind of unique. Let me tell you why. Because what we've been focusing on, and even if you're not a parent, you've probably gotten a lot of benefit from this particular um, uh, series. Because we've been talking about the heart of the parent. We've been talking about the intention of the parent. We've been, we've been really gearing it towards the parent. Let me tell you why. Because I can stand up here and say, okay, guys, uh, when it comes to your kids, I need by 8 o'clock, you should take all cell phones and electronics away so that, you know, there could be some family time and some downtime so that you could... I can also say, you put the kids in bed when you're ready, not when the kids are ready. You put kids in bed when they're ready and they'll wear you out. Um, uh, you know, I can tell you stuff like that, but we actually did a series like that, and it was one of our most popular series. It, it, it wasn't like, you know, it went bad. It went very well. Everybody was really, really interested in it, and here's the deal. After about two or three months, nobody was doing anything that we were talking about. Now, we had given sermon maps. We had given the CDs out. We had, you know, we had tried our very best to help people to remember, but what we discovered was that unless the parent had a change of heart, you weren't going to get very far. And so in this series, we decided, okay, we're going to address the parent. We're not going to address how to so much relate to the child, although we are going to address that. Next week is, in fact, next week is the last week of the series. We're going to really hammer what discipline looks like. In fact, it's the very next verse, right after the, um, the verses that we finished today. Children, obey your parents, and then, you know, right, that goes on from there. But for now, we are really addressing the issues, the mind, the thoughts of the parents. One of the most important thing, things, if you want a home uh, that, is, that facilitates healthy, God-glorifying children, is you've got to work on the marriage. This is huge. And so we're going to talk about that, but we're going to pray now, and we're going to ask the Lord to help us, um, uh, and so I'll ask you to pray with me. Father, thank you so much uh, for this, this time together. Lord, I know that uh, even as we heard the scriptures read, there are doors closing in some minds, there's ideas and attitudes and thoughts that are contrary to your word, Lord, I would ask that you would uh, give me grace to be able to speak this word as lovingly as you gave it uh, to the apostle. And Father, I, I just pray that uh, we would receive this word as obediently uh, as uh, people who want to glorify you and love you and who understand that your way is the best way. And so, Father, help us to communicate this in a way. Lord, I pray for those who are podcasting as they're listening to this in their car or on their computer or in their office or in a way. Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts and that they would recognize that this word is for them. 
Lord, for those who are sitting here, I pray that you would speak to the person sitting in their seat. And Lord, those who would listen on the web, uh, on the internet, uh, I pray, oh God, that you would draw them to yourself and that there would be a brokenness and a humility and a surrender. Lord, help us to communicate your word in such a way that it would be memorable and that it would be done. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the first week of the series, we talked about the glory of God. The second week, which was last week, we talked about the heart of, um, the, heart of the, uh, the parent and how that can be translated to the heart of the uh, children, right? We asked ourselves some really good questions last week. This week, we're going to talk about the marriage. And you go, well, what does the marriage have to do about ra- with raising children? It has absolutely everything has absolutely everything. Now you're sitting here and you're thinking, wait up, I'm not married. This is really important to you because what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the gospel. And the gospel is important in every area of life. I hope, I pray that the Lord would help me to bring out the gospel in this because this is what Paul's point is. This is where Paul's direction is. Now, I dare say that when it comes to leadership, love, and submission, that husbands and wives have it very confused. And the reason it's because they've seen it abused so much. When wives think of submission, they've seen it abused to such a degree that they don't want to have anything to do with it. When um, husbands, uh, you know, think about wives, they just, it's to such a degree, the, uh, the abuse, the, the misuse of these passages have been used to hurt women and harm women and and do things that were just not all right, not good, not holy, not of God. And so when you you think about that, there's a sense where you just go, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, stiff arm God. And I'm just telling you, this is not where the Bible is going. But the Bible is very clear. So I'm going to read this a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit, and then we'll talk, read, talk, and go. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to end with what I think is the heart of this passage. I'm trying to do several things in this talk. Now, I'm breaking my own rule. I always, when I teach um, pastors to preach, I say, you've got to have just one point. That one point has to be the point, and you've got to hammer that away. Yesterday, last week, it was the heart, Right? And we just talked about, okay, you got to examine the heart. you got to examine the heart. Here's ten questions you can ask about your heart. Here's some ways you can talk about your heart. Well, uh, today I'm kind of breaking that rule a little bit. We have a couple of things. First, we're going to talk about um, the, the goals and the roles of marriage. And then we're going to talk about, the second thing we're going to talk about is how marriage is a great illustration of what Christ wants for his people. So let's start with the goals and the roles. We'll read, I'm going to read it again because it's a really controversial passage and I really would like for us to, you know, be in on what's being said. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And all the women said amen. amen. All right. Um, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. What should we say about this? Okay, now watch this. 
This is very uncomfortable for the women and it's very exciting for the men for a couple of different reasons. It's because there's a different idea of what these roles mean. Now, you're going to come at me and, and I, I can hear what you're thinking. You go, truly, pastor, you don't believe these archaic ideas. Surely you understand that we're in an enlightened age and that we have more modern ideas and thoughts to which I would just humbly say, please, Follow along with me. And hopefully I can dispel some of the misbeliefs and misunderstandings that we have. But this is going to be... Let me tell you something. This is liberating. Husbands, if you get the intense... This is... I tell people, don't get married lightly. In fact, I, I caution most... Anybody who's ever gone to my counseling sessions, you know that my objective in my little six to eight weeks of counseling people is to get them to separate. That's my objective. You go to premarital counseling, premarital, not marital. I'm not talking about marital. That would be evil. Um, um, but in premarital, I figure if I can't separate you, then you should be together um, because it's a lifetime and it's a real serious commitment. And uh, I'm, you know, we're just really, really serious because it's a demonstration of what God has done. But I want you to think of, now, here's the negative part. I want to I start addressing some of the stuff in your mind, right? The problem is, is that when we think of marriage, we think of it in a, hier- in a hierarchy. In a hierarchy. Let me show you a picture. Um, it, when we think of marriage, or when we think of, we think of a flow chart, right? Now, what are flow charts? Flow charts are organizational charts that people have in order to, you know, put who's in charge, Who's in charge, right? Now, in your, um, in your sermon notes, it says, how is the marriage organized, right? Um, the, your sermon notes are the notes that are in your bulletin. If you open up your bulletin and you pull out your sermon notes, there are some really, really cool um, uh, uh, blanks that you could fill out so that you could uh, stay along with us. If you don't have uh, writing utensils, I think there's a pencil in front of you or just to the side of you. Um, we have those little half pencil deals so you can follow along. Now, watch this. How is the marriage organized? The, ma- the marriage, it is organized by roles, not hierarchy. Everybody say this with me. Roles, not hierarchy. In other words, it's not about who's the boss, who's in charge, what, the, you know. It's about roles. Now, if you confuse this, you will not have a happy home. You Listen, if you confuse this, you will be a miserable married person. You will, you, you will not have a happy home. And your children will reap the negative benefits of the way you do marriage. Now, if you say hierarchy, then the wives automatically um, commit and submit and uh, believe. If, you're, if you're, you go, oh, well, that means... That my husband is better than me and I'm under my husband. We go back to our chart, right? That, uh, you know, the, 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 the real boss of the home is God. And that, by the way, is true. That's the only part about this org that's absolutely true. God is the absolute authority. He's the one who dictates. He's the one who guides. Do you have desires that you feel are not being met? It's okay. If they're, if they're outside the will of God, you go with God, not with your desires. Do you have pleasures that you want to be met? If they're outside the will of God, you go with God, not your pleasures, right? So God is the boss, right? But and then we go, oh, right on the God is the husband. 
So if the husband says, you know, it starts to be abusive, he starts to um, ask the wife to do things that she doesn't feel comfortable with, she starts to, he starts to ask her to sin, he starts to tell her, you're not coming to church, you're not going to read your Bible, you're not, you know, and the husband is like this tyrannical person, we go, well, he's the boss, and the Bible says so, and look, look, honey, uh, uh, you know, I don't go to church, but I got a verse, look, wives submit to your husbands, can't you see? You're supposed to, okay, and then, Right under the wife, uh, the husband, is the wife. Now the wife, you know, she just submits to her husband. She's as pretty as she can be. You know, she has to work hard and smell good in the process. And, you know, that's her role and that's her process. Right under her are the kids. Now, she gets to tell the kids what to do, but she doesn't tell the husband what to do because the husband's the boss and the kids are beneath her. And so they tell her what to do, right? And she tells them what to do, right? But, uh, you know, kids, don't feel bad. You have someone under you. It's your pets, Right? And so, you know, you have your pets, and then you can tell, you know, uh, you know, Sparky to go into the bathroom over there. And that is wonderful. That is, let me tell you, here's the problem with that. That is a business model. That is not the model that's put forth in the Bible. It's not a hierarchy. Watch this. It's more like, watch this. It'll get up in a second. Um... God is the absolute authority. He's the boss, and we just talked about that. Then there's a line where the husband, the wife, and the... Okay, it's not going to come up. The image is not going to come up. The, the image was, it's a line, right? Think of this line over here, right? And so it's not like, you know, husband, um, God, and then husband, and then, you know... And if you're listening on the podcast, I'm just so sorry because you can't see this visual... But um, it's the husband on top. It's like an organizational chart. And the wife, I mean, you know, and the wife, and then the kids, and then the pets, and then whatever, right? No, it's what it is, is that there's an equality. The Bible says, over and over, that we are equal under Christ. However, and this is, a matter of fact, I should stay on this for a second. Since we're equal, that means God reigns. God is glorious. God is the director, the boss, the one who tells us what to do. He leads, he guides, he celebrates, he, he helps to lift up. Now, after that, we are all on equal footing, a level plane. If you think, um, so it's not like, um, so it's not like husband, go on top over there, right? And then wife, go on the second step right there, right? And then kid, right? Go on the third step over here, right? It's a real big kid, right? Or let's just keep it like this, right? All right, so we go, the husband, he's the boss and he just, you know, he's the authority and he's the one, right? And, and, and the wife, well, she submits and she has to do everything the boss says and if he says to do something uncomfortable or bad or whatever, right? This is really, you know, uh, but she's got to because the Bible says so. And then the kid, they're, they're sunk because they got everybody, everybody's their boss. And they're, now watch this, now watch this. It's not this. I need to hammer this away because you won't understand the rest of the sermon and you won't understand the rest of the series if you don't get this. Okay. What it is, is everybody stand up and come up here. What it is, come here. Claudio? Okay. Right. Watch this. Come, come. See? It's a level playing field. They are equal. And they all stand on the same level. There is nobody who is better than or worse off in that marriage structure, God created it that way. So what does God talk about when he talks about wives submitting unto husbands? 
not hierarchy, but roles. There are different roles that you play. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Not hierarchy, but roles. What do I mean by that? If you think, okay, you're in a car, okay, right? So you sit down in a car, and the passenger, right? All right, and, and then, right, like, anybody know what you, what you call before you get into a car if you want to sit in the front? Shotgun, right, yeah, that person sit, you know, it, it sits in shotgun, right? Now, the responsibility of that person is the radio station and the maps, right? At least in our house, right? They're, they're responsible for, they're the DJ, and they do the maps. You know, go right, go left, you know, all that stuff. Now, watch this. If I'm driving in a car, who's better, me or the passenger? Neither. Neither. But there are different roles that are played, aren't they? I can't just, if I'm driving the car and the passenger is reading the maps, I can't just say, um, you know, that's it. I'm not driving anymore. Like in the middle of the freeway going 65 miles an hour, right? And it's going, that's it. Yeah, I can't take it, you know. And, and the, it would be silly if the passenger told the driver, says, you know what? You've just been driving this whole trip. I don't, I want to drive. But wait up, you're sitting in a different spot. I don't care. How are you going to press on the gas pedal and the brake? I'll figure it out. And so what you have in marriages is wives pulling, you know, putting their pedal and just, you sit right there and don't you say another word. And because I'm not going to be under your thumb and brake and gas and anything. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's not the role. Not better or less than different roles. Now, here has, here's what's happened. This is really important, especially for you women who are like really in control. <laughs> like, you know, you've had like six jobs in three months because you just can't, you know, listen to anybody's authority or anything like that. Watch this. Here's what happens. It's like being, right? You're in a car, right? And it's, you know, you ever, anybody here ever drive stick, right? You, you drive stick. And what happens is that the wife trades roles with the husband. This is what happened. Let me tell you something. This is every sitcom that you see. If there's a husband and a man, the wife is, this is the absolute truth about every sitcom that you see where married people are in. The husband is the idiot and the wife is smart and she's quick and she makes fun of him and she just pick a comedy. The wife is brilliant, the husband's an idiot and the kids disobey. Like that's the, that's the basis, right? Brenda, come up here. So what's happened is, and again, if you guys are listening to this on the, on the uh, web or on podcast, we, we have a, a man and a woman sitting next to each other. And what happens is, is that somewhere along the line, the wife says, I don't want this anymore. I think I know better than God. What I'll do is I'll get on the driver's seat. Now, you can stay here for years. Right, go ahead, drive, right? And then, and then the, guy, the guy just kind of relaxes with the remote control in his hand and goes, how's everything going? She's like, it's fine. You know, how's everything doing? And he's doing nothing in the form of leadership, just flipping the remote, just kind of doing his thing. Now watch, this is powerful. This is powerful. Eventually, this is exhausting. It's not the role that she was made for. She was made for a different role. We all accept this. In your job, your boss is not. Now keep your hand up. And your boss is, 
Your boss is not better than you. He just has a different role. Your, you know, your, your parents are not better than you. They just have a different role. Your kids are not better. They just have a different role. Now, she drives this and he just, you know, because he's not going to fight. He tried to fight it in the beginning of the relationship. He tried to be, you know, Mr. Macho and, you know, he grew up in a Puerto Rican household or whatever it was. And he tried to, he didn't understand what leadership was. So he kind of abused it and it was a mess, right? And, and so, but you, you know what happens after eight years of this? Anybody who's married who's done this knows? You're exhausted. You can't do it anymore. You have a nervous breakdown. This is grounds for divorce. You've let me drive for too long. This is what's happening here. Now the Bible says something different. So this is what happens. You come to a sermon like this and you go, I understand now. I've been leading, the wife says, and he's been in the passenger seat. We have the wrong roles. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to submit to Jesus. I know what we'll do. We'll change roles. Now, she's been leading for eight years. How much leadership experience does she have? How much leadership experience do I have? None. So, we get on the thing. Follow me, right? So, we go and... Oh man, you know, the, the, you know, you're trying, you're clutching and you're, and you're bouncing along. His decisions are terrible. Why? He's got no experience. You've been leading the whole time. And so, you know, the, the, he's rubbing the gears together and, oh man, and it's not going. And, ah, she sees a car nearly rip off the side of the car. She goes, that's it. We're moving again. And she grinds her teeth. And says, I will drive this thing till it rots. And it does. Destroys everything. Some of you have an understanding about what happened in your divorce now. Keep driving. Because it's not the role. I wonder if we're getting this. Am I, am I preaching yet? I mean, um, no, listen to me. It's not better or less than. It's the role you play. Now, I'm going to discuss about what those roles look like. But, women, it looks like submission. Ah! Yes, I understand. The alternative is to drive the car into the ground. Because let me tell you something. Either you decide... You make the decision. The woman says, you know what? You come to a service like this. That's right. That's the problem. We're going to reverse roles. You drive and I'll, you know... You do that, or the husband. And okay. I actually really like this couple. Um, John and Kate and Eight. I think that's what it's called, right? John and Kate and Eight. Has anybody heard of this couple? They're, they're, they're on the TV. And so we just went on vacation. Whenever we go on vacation, they always have a TV, so we do our TV binge on vacation, right? We're just like, OD on TV. Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll never watch this in another... You know, 365 days at least, so we just binge, binge, binge. So I saw a bunch of episodes of John and Kate and Nate. I think they're an adorable couple. They're now going through like either a divorce or a separation or something like that. Let me tell you what I could, what I could see if I was counseling that couple. Just watch that show. Who's in the driver's seat? Anybody know? She is. She is. Okay. Hey, hey. What happened at the end of that? There's something in the guy that says, I don't belong in the driver's seat. Keep driving. I don't belong in the passenger seat. I don't belong here on the side. So what did he do? He found a little woman who would allow him to go in the driver's seat. 
destroying the relationship. Or the wife will drive to the degree. And you know what will happen at work? Someone will come over and say, you look so pretty in that dress. No, go on. Really? We'll tell her everything. Why? Because she's exhausted. She's been driving. She was never meant to drive. She was meant to sit in the passenger. Very important. Direct, you know, go this way, make a right, you know, help to direct, help to lead. You know, this is an incredible role. My wife has enormous. Let me tell you something. This church has benefited greatly from the influence that my wife has given, although she doesn't have a pastoral role. It's absolutely true. My wife has said, my wife is the one who said, you know what, you're spending way too much time in this and not that, and you know, your gifting is preaching, not this, so why don't you just stick with preaching? And so, you know, my wife has, why? Because she's, she, got, she goes, you know what, the Lord says, and then she just, huge benefit. But again, because the society has so infiltrated us, every fiber in your body says, no, I'm going to stay. The women says, I'm going to stay in the driver's seat. And you do. So you go outside the relationship with a guy who'll finally be, what? What is every, I remember growing up and I remember like, you know, I couldn't understand why girls would go out with these like really bad dudes, but what did they do? I mean, they were doing it in a horrible demonic way, but there was at least some form of leadership there. And they were bad dudes. They were not nice dudes. And then these really, really nice guys, but they were wimps. They had no leadership ability. And so they wouldn't, you know, it it taught me something as I was growing up. I mean, has this been your experience? Have you seen this? It's amazing. Right? Some of you guys like, you know. All right. So so the the point is, is that what I want to do for the rest of this sermon. Aren't you tired? What? Absolutely. So that you can, when you drive, your job is to drive. Love your wife. Don't you look pretty today? Can I, can I take you somewhere? What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I lay down my life so that you would benefit? That's leadership. And by the way, who wouldn't want to sit in that car? Like, who wouldn't want to be the passenger seat in that car? I'll give you an example. We were coming home, right? And when we do these vacation things, I allow the diets to go out the window because I'm kind of strict about that in my house. Like, no chocolate, even though Gus totally breaks those laws. is sneaking. Gus is like a crackhead. He sneaks chocolate. <laughs> Pastor Gus, right, sneaks chocolate to my children and to my wife. It's, it's, it's insane. They're addicts. It's, it's hysterical. All right. Who doesn't want to be... I love Gus. He's a very godly man, and he's funny as all get out. So um, I say that in jest. He's very awesome. I love him. I, I don't know where this church would be if God hadn't brought him here. But the point is, who doesn't want to sit in that passenger seat? Where And uh, so we're driving back, right? And I go, and, and I'm just driving with my wife. And I say, hey, does anybody want to go to Friendly's? Now, my wife is like a chocoholic, right? And my kids are like chocoholics. They're, they're recovering chocoholics, right? Because I'm trying to get them, wean them off, right? And... Let me tell you something. Do you think she said, you know what? You just try to drive everywhere. And if, you know, you just try to lead and, and you just like, what, you think you're better than me? What, you, you know, I don't want to go to Friendly's. Maybe I want to go to haagen Like, you know, do you think that that was the response that I got? She was like, really? Yeah, you want to go? I know you don't like that stuff. No, but I know you do. And I like you. So I will do things that I don't like for the sake of doing things that you, Why? Because I like my wife. Do ask ask me ask me if I like the beach. 
I hate the beach. I hate the sand. I hate the naked people. I hate everything that goes on in the beach. I hate the, I hate the process. I hate sand in my, in my sandwich. I hate the juice getting warm. I hate going out to the thing and the wave knocking you down. I hate going swimming and then being 40 feet deeper than you thought and you gotta swim for your dear life. I hate everything about the beach. Ask me where I live. Right across the street from the beach. Why? Why? I hate the beach. Watch this. Hate the beach. Love my wife. Love my kids. So that's what husbands do. When you get it, when you get in a leadership position, it's an opportunity to sacrifice. Look at the leadership of Jesus. What did he do when he got into the leadership position? Sacrificed himself. Who wouldn't want to sit in a passenger seat like Thank you, Brenda. Good job. Give Brenda a hand. She did a great job. Now, the the marriage is organized by, listen, roles, not hierarchy. Let's say that all together. The marriage is organized by roles, not hierarchy. The marriage is organized by not hierarchy. One more time. The marriage is organized by... So what's the husband's role? The husband's role looks a lot like Jesus. The husband's role looks a lot like Jesus. His role is to sacrifice, to lay down his life, to do everything he can for the good of his family, to prepare his children, to guide and lead them, Now, watch this. This is incredibly important. Watch this. This is so key. If you know this and you're not married, single moms, listen to me. Please, please, please listen to me. And this is, you know, as if we don't have enough empty seats. I'm going to free up a couple of for next week. You'll see some people won't come back because this is the way this goes. Single moms, would you just do me a favor? Would you not bring the guy around the house until he puts a ring on your finger? Would you, listen, listen to me, listen to me. It's a date for you, it's an emotional connection for your kids. And if this is true, that the marriage is a demonstration, is a demonstration of Christ's relationship, and we're going to talk about this in a lot, a lot. Listen, if it's a demonstration of Christ's relationship with us, then they'll think that it's okay to be in relationship with Christ and out of relationship with Christ and in relationship with Christ and out of relationship with Christ because you just keep on bringing... Single moms, you know what? It's it's so hard. I think that one of the toughest jobs in the entire universe is the single mom. There's a woman who keeps on irking me in um, in my neighborhood, but she's a single mom, so I never complain. She parks, you know, they, uh, you know, I have a drive space, even though I don't have a car. Um, I get lent cars sometimes. And, um, uh, and so she'll drive, she'll, she'll park in my drive space, you know. And it irks me. You know what? I never say a word to her. Why? Because she's a single mom. You know, I, I, I encourage my son. Yo, go with her son. Go play basketball. Go. Why? Because she's a single mom. 
and she doesn't have any positive male role models around her. And that boy will grow up not knowing what a man looks like if men don't expose, uh, get around, expose him in a healthy, uh, you know, expose him to healthy male relationships. You understand? So, single moms, listen to me. This is incredibly important. And this is wonderful. Because if you're a single mom, you've probably had an opportunity where you chose the wrong guy. And now that you're not choosing, now that you're not with that wrong guy, you have an opportunity to choose the right guy. What does the guy look like? He looks like a, total, a fully devoted, totally surrendered follower of Jesus Christ. He looks like, watch this. Here's a question. If you're dating a guy, here's a question for you. Can he drive? I mean, if this is going to be his job, if this is where, can he lead? Does he lead well? Does he procrastinate? Is he a person who doesn't take, does take other people's um, uh, ideas and thoughts into consideration? Is he a person, is he a megalomaniac? Is he, you know, is he narcissistic? Is he all about himself? Does he take more time in front of the mirror than you do? Does he make decisions that bless others? Listen to me. Listen to me. Can he drive? Because if that's his primary role, he better at least be able to drive better than you. At least. Can he drive? Here's what I tell people. And boy, people don't really... They, I, I never... This, I've never been listened to. No, that's not true. I've, I've been listened to once. Um, I'll say, do me a favor. Would you, would you ask this person to be your manager? Like if you, if you were at work, wife or, or potential wife, woman, would you ask this guy to be your manager at work? And if that thought scares you, like if you think the company would go under if he was the manager in that store, then, then you don't want him to be the pastor of your home. You don't want him to be the husband of your Household. But because, listen, so you go, I don't want to submit. Listen, if you find a girl, you'll love submission. you love, but here's, you have so much power. Women, you have no idea how much power you have. As if you, before, before you get, let me tell you something. All that guy wants to do is be with you. He loves you. He wants, so it's okay to go give him some driving. Let's see how he drives. Give him some opportunities to make decisions for the family. And if he's selfish, and if he's self-centered, and if he's, con uh, you know, totally consumed with himself, then you've just figured out that that's not the guy that you want driving. Give him opportunities. Another thing is that you can ask him questions. Just ask him questions. Hey, um, you know, the Bible says that the husband is supposed to provide for the home. I, I, I would like to stay home and raise the children. Park, I'll see ya. Great. You don't want, you, let me tell you, you know when you want to find that out? You want to find that out in test drives. You know you, when you don't want to find that out? Three years into the marriage. You just don't want to do that. Okay. So the Bible speaks about roles that they are to play. And that if you, I can't tell you how many women have come up to me and say things like this. My kids don't listen to me. They're out of control. And then I'll go to their house, spend an hour or two in their family dynamic, and I go, I wonder where they learned that. I wonder where they learned that. 
It, it, it was, watch this. So goes the marriage, so goes the rest of the family. Now, say for instance you're a single mom or a widower uh, or a widow and you have no intentions of getting married. The, the next part of this sermon is really, really important. Because we need to allow Jesus to be the husband and the church. Listen, the church. Single mom, if you don't have a guy, come to the church. And watch, don't just pick any guy, especially in this church. We have some, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to, I just had to, I just had to address a predator uh, recently. I said, no, you can't, you cannot communicate with women in our church in this way. If it comes up again, I must ask. This is part of my job. Really big dudes. And I just got to go, no, 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 you're not welcome here. Because why? Because my job is the shepherd. And I'm supposed to lay down my life for you. So if I get a punch in the face, it's all right. Because I'm supposed to protect the women. I'm supposed to protect them from predators. See, watch this. Listen to me. So it is with husbands. You're the pastor of the home. So if you, you get some leaders around you and you're in, involved in a church and you see some leaders, you go, hey, can, can, can you take my son with you and your family on that trip? Can you? There's nothing wrong with that. This is where the church shines. You know, I try to find kids without dads. I just go, we're going on vacation. Would you like to come with us? I ask their families or something like that. We're going on vacation. Would you like to come with us? And just, why? I just, and not because I got this like four-part series or sermon that I want to talk to them about fatherhood and all this other stuff. I just want them to expose them to what family life in a biblical home looks like. Not perfect, but biblical to some degree. And so by doing that, I get, you know, I get to be a blessing to young people who are coming up. You can, single moms, you can do this with men who are leaders, who have proven themselves, who love Jesus, who have families of their own. I tend to stay away from single guys um, just because of the world we live in. Not that there's anything, I mean, you know, I love the single guys. You're my friends. I love you guys. Just when I, just because of the world we live in, moms, you know, it's best that you get, you know, a married home and, you know, you get to know them a little bit and, and go stuff like that. So I'm going to read the rest of this because we've got almost no time. So I'm just going to, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. By the way, guys, the first thing you're supposed to lead is in prayer and scripture reading. And, and you, your job is to lead her to Jesus. Not to lead her to do what you want her to do in bed. Not to lead her to what you... To lead her to Jesus. Are you initiating the prayer in the household? Are you initiating the Bible study in the... And you don't have to... Listen, you don't have to know a whole lot. You just have to know a little bit more than her. And if she's been saved for a bunch of years, then you can just read the Word and just expose yourself to the Word and be really, you know, nurture yourself in the Word as you... Read with her. One of the things that I've wanted to do with my wife, although we haven't done it, um, is uh, read through the Song of Solomon. Like, you know, go on a little mini vacation by ourselves and just pick choice verses because it's a very, very erotic book, Song of Solomon is. And it talks about how the male looks at the, his wife and how, you know, he thinks of her body with great detail. And, and it's wonderful. And she says the same thing about him. The wife in the Song of Solomon calls her husband a stag. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I need my wife to call me a stag. I mean, I just like that. Uh, it's just cool. Um, but, you know, take, taking scripture and reading it to one another. It's wonderful. 
But, the, but husband, that's your job. Eso es tu trabajo. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're not sure how to lead? Start there. In prayer and scripture reading. Okay, let's keep on going. And to present her, that is his wife, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, uh, he who loves his wife loves himself. Isn't that the truth, Ruth? Man, you want peace in your home? Be a lover of your wife. You want joy in your home? Be a biblical husband in your household. It's, it's just important. I'm just going to read the rest of this and I'm going to tell you. Um, after all, no one ever headed his own body, but he feeds. And again, these two paragraphs are for the husband. One sentence for the wife. Wife, submit to your husband. Two paragraphs for the husband. I don't know why that is, but it's there. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you is, uh, also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Watch this. We're going to spend the rest of this talk talking about verse 32. For, uh, um, uh, verse 32. For this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Let me tell you what the marriage... To, in, your, in your handouts, you have a question that's asked. What does the marriage tell us about a relationship with Jesus? What does the marriage tell us about a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me. Okay. I need you to just look up at me. Some of you have tuned me out. I've been talking for a while, and it's a little warm in here. What I'm about to say right now is it. If you don't get this, you won't get marriage. Please listen to me. Every single divorce that's ever happened is because what I'm about to say wasn't done. So I just need you to just kind of just, you know, shake it off. Really focus. Give me your attention. Splash some water on your face. Stand up. Walk to the back if you need to. But right now, what I'm about to say is really, really important. I'm putting up the red flags, okay? Here it goes. It's, what does the marriage tell us about a relationship with Jesus? This is it. It tells us that marriage is based on, write this down. Marriage is based on grace and not works. Marriage is based on grace and not works. This is huge! You cannot understand marriage if you do not understand this. And those of you, because there's some of you who are like in dating or gonna date or engaged or gonna be engaged, listen to me. The it reflects the relationship that we have. The marriage reflects the relationship that we have with Jesus. Why? Because it's based on grace and not works. At the end of every divorce is a marriage that was based on works. At the end of every two-week fight is a marriage based on works. 
At the end of, listen to me, at the end of every major explosion is a marriage based on works. Some of us think that this is the way we relate to Jesus. And by the way, I preach on Wednesdays here as well. You all need to come. The small groups are fantastic. We get even deeper into the scriptures. They're not recorded. So it's just like a one-shot deal. And I'm telling you, it's just really important. 6.30, we start to pray. 7 o'clock, we start, you know, I talk about what we talked about this Sunday in a different light. And then we move into our small groups. You all need to come. We have marriage small groups, women, men. And all that other stuff. You need to come to that. It's a, it's a blessing. But here's the deal. It's grace and not works. Let me, let me tell you what that... That means... Cause it's, it's based on election and repentance. These are two big um, theological words. Election and repentance. If you came this Wednesday, you have a great basis for this. If you didn't come this Wednesday, maybe not so much. We said this Wednesday, and I can't give you the whole thing. We said that God elects us. And it's not, it's not like us trying to reach to God. Those are cults. I mean, those are, those are uh, other religions. Us trying to reach up to God. And it's not God putting one hand down, but it's like three feet high, so you have to kind of jump up and grab. And it's a two-handed thing, right? Where we hold on to God and God holds on to us, but and then we blow it. Ooh, look at that girl. And then we leave and then we go, oh no, I'm sorry, God. And then we grab onto him again. And you know, that, that's what, that's what American Christianity is. 99.9% of the, what you hear on television, what you see, or what you hear on the radio, is this two-handed thing. It's not biblical. What grace is, is God reaching down to save us. It's one-handed down. God, you know, if we had our way, we'd still be using. If we had our way, listen, the guy, you know, we'd still be with the guy. We'd still be with the girl. We'd still be hurting ourselves. We'd still be running off. It was only because what we were doing, the sin that we were doing, wore itself out in us that we decided to, that, you know, any kind of decision came to want to pursue God. And so God, in the midst of our, some of us, it came through handcuffs, right? Some of us were using and God just stepped in and just, you know, had us arrested, started that way. And for some of us, it started with a, 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 a person that we loved, finally putting up boundaries and saying, no, you cannot be this way and be in this relationship. You must suffer your own consequences. But God reaches down. It's called grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Watch this. He elects us. He chooses us. And we, as a response to that election, repent. That means we change our mind. We stop saying, peep shows are good and God is good. No, no, no. We say, peep shows. No. The sin is bad and God is good. Now watch this. Same thing in marriage. This is exactly... When someone offends the other party in a marriage. In the end, there has to be, the offended party has to elect to, to open a bridge between the two. And the offendee, the person who's doing the offending, has to choose to repent. I'll give you a great way that this uh, happened one time, right? One time I'm driving, and it just so happens that it was driving in a car. This is like uh, probably less than six years ago somewhere around six years ago. So I'm just doing a ton of work in the church. I'm, I'm saying this part because I need to make an excuse for myself, so forgive my insecurity. But I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm working a lo- long hours for weeks on end, no days off for like a, over a year, just every day doing everything, blah, blah, blah. So we just had this like, you know, dinner downstairs and all that other stuff. 
And a friend of mine, it was like 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, right? And it was a long day. It was a long week. I'm working like 90 hours a week. It's just a lot. And so we're driving home, my wife and I and the kids, right? And um, one of the girls has an earache, right? And so she's complaining. Uh, and I just have zero patience. I had no patience for months. And just like, you know. And then one of those screams, you know one of those screams that get behind your neck and into your brain and just like, you know, just, uh, that you just, you snap at? One of those screams. I said, and before I did, I said, uh, and so she, she screamed and I said, quiet that kid down. She goes, I'm trying. I goes, try harder. And I just barked at her and was really mean spirited and was really aggressive and then dropped her off, put the car in park. And said, I'll see you. And then just, you know, shut the door and just drove off. Really mean-spirited, really evil, really wrong. I, you know, I go back to the church. I finish doing what I'm doing. I get home at like 11 o'clock at night. And my wife was there. And here's what she did. She said, honey, are you hungry? And I'm, I'm still a nightmare to be around. Like nothing has changed in my heart. I'm still an evil dude. I still think that I'm right. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I still think that she should have shut the kid up. Like, how, how, how horrible is that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me food. And she goes, you know what, honey? And she clicked on the um, internet. She says, you know, I know you like this particular speaker. Um, again, being in the passenger, still submitting. It's powerful. I know you like this speaker. And, you know, she gave me this speaker. And I, I would listen, because I listen to sermons all the time. It's one of my pastimes. I was watching, in the middle of watching this sermon, I'm eating the food that she provided for me, the glass of water that she's given me to drink, and I'm watching the sermon that she clicked on for me. And it hit me. And I just started to weep. And I just went before, and I just started to cry. I said, I'm just so sorry. I'm so, what happened? In that situation, she was like Jesus. She elected, even though my behavior was unacceptable, she elected to love me. And I got the opportunity to repent. Do you see how precious that is? Because when you're married, you demonstrate the relationship. It says so much in the, in the scripture. You demonstrate. This is, this is what you tell your kids. This is what the church relationship with Jesus looks like. And every day they get a demonstration of this in your home when you're married. This is what it looks like. It looks like sarcasm. It looks like, you know, uh, uh, making him feel stupid. It looks like letting him make decisions and then going around and going, it's okay, just shh, don't tell daddy. Listen, 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 listen. Our marriage demonstrates the relationship that we're to have with Jesus. It's based on grace. Now, watch this. What does that mean? Because we're in such a codependent bunch, I need to clarify what this means. If your husband is cheating on you, you need to make, you need to be able to make some boundaries. If he's abusing you, I'm not talking about these extenuating circumstances. I'm not talking about being codependent. I'm not talking about none of these things. If your wife is cheating on you, you need to ask her to repent. If she does not repent, you need to be able to remove yourself from that situation until she's ready to repent. I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about removing yourself from the situation until she's ready to, to repent. Um, if your husband is being physically abusive, please come to me with that. I would love to have a conversation with him. Please 
come to, if he's being physically abusive, if he's being verbally abusive, I would love, I would love to speak with that guy. Now listen, I'm not talking about those times. Is, am I clear on that? When those extreme deals, right? What I am talking about is that this relationship must function the way we function with Jesus, the way Jesus lays out to function with him. And it's based on, listen to me, grace and not works. That means if she doesn't cook dinner, she doesn't get pounded on for not cooking dinner. Just recently, the Lord spoke to my heart because it's a nightmare living. Some of y'all think that, wow, Liz, you get to live with other women. The only time I look cool is up here occasionally, right? That's it. And that's because she picks out the clothes, right? You know, let me tell you something. I'm a mess to live with. I'm high maintenance. I'm tough. I'm demanding. I'm like, you know, some of y'all who work with me understand, right? Some of y'all are smiling going, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, we're under his leadership. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. He's demanding and he's critical and he's tough. And, you know, Cause I'm, I'm demanding and critical on top of myself. Well, just recently I was driving and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, I don't want you to say one more critical thing about your wife. Enough. Enough. I don't want you to say another thing. I don't want you to, but I have to correct her about this thing. Shut up, Edwin. Don't say enough. You have disqualified yourself from, because I was basing the marriage on works. Oh, but there's no food for me. Oh, but there's nothing. I'm still working on it. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm still working on it. I'm not, not to say that the Lord won't ever lift that from me because you need to guide and correct. I'm saying in my situation, it was too much. And so, listen to me. This is this is big deal. It's based on grace and not works. That means you get to be like Jesus if your spouse offends you. You get to be Jesus. You go, you don't deserve forgiveness. You don't merit forgiveness. Everything you've done is the antithesis of what it means to be forgiven. That's okay. I choose to forgive you. Happened again just the other day. Me and my wife... Um, we're having a, a, a I, I thought that she was uh, maybe a little bit, her, her response didn't seem right to me. It seemed disrespectful to me. And so I just said, all right, I'm going to leave it alone. What happened? My wife came out and says, you know what, it's a lovely night. Why don't we take a walk? And what happens? There was a repentance there. And then I could have elected to go take a walk by yourself. I'm not going to take to you. You want to walk? Go ahead. You can walk. Listen, these boots are made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. And one of these days, these boots are going to walk right out on you. You understand what I'm saying, right? And it's just like, you know, there, there's that opportunity. You can do that. Or, or, you can be like Jesus. And said, so, let's take a walk. Oh, but she didn't, you know, but, but he didn't say I'm sorry, but she didn't. It's okay, I could be like Jesus. I can be, watch this. I can love and forgive without them asking for my love of forgiveness. I can be like Jesus. That's why. The marriage tells us about our relationship with Jesus. Now, if you have a works relationship and you have a works relationship with your God, then when everything is going well in your relationship with Jesus, you know, like you're doing good, you're reading your Bible, you're going to church, you're doing all your stuff, then you're cool. Here's how you can tell if you have a relationship with Jesus based on works or grace. If when, watch this. If you're a Pharisee, if you're a person who bases their relationship on works, then when you blow it and you go to pray, you just feel worse. You go, God's not listening to me. God can't hear me. I blew it too bad. 
It's because the basis of your relationship is not the grace of Jesus Christ. It's your works. But if you go to Jesus and you confess some sin that you've given, that you've, uh, and you feel a repentance and a forgiveness, I'm no excuses, Lord. I'm just, I'm repenting and I'm asking for forgiveness. Then you're basing it on grace. It's your greatness. Only you can forgive. Only you can provide. It's a miracle. But if all you know about religion, and by the way, religion, man, it's just all we see in America. You don't see relationship with Jesus. You certainly don't see it on TV. Listen, if all you do is that's your relationship with Jesus, Jesus loves you. Look, you paid your taxes, you did your tithes, you, you, know, you dressed up your kids, you, 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 know, you did everything right. And look, Jesus really, really loves me. And then, oh man, I blew it today. I screamed at my boss, I cursed out my husband, or I cursed out my wife. Jesus doesn't love me anymore. Then you're basing your relationship off of works. Listen to me. That is destructive and an inroad to a divorce. Now, what does marriage tell us about a relationship with Jesus? It tells us that marriage is based on grace and not... It also tells us that a marriage is based on intimacy and not indifference. This is where most of you stop coming to church. <laughs> if you thought that other part was bad with the submission, this is going to be something. Intimacy and not indifference. I'm just going to tell you this quickly. Okay. In this church, we have a, a thing that we say, right? And it's this. Uh, sex is for married people only. Sex is not for good-looking people. It's not for bad-looking people. Sex is not for people who had a lot of experience or not a lot of experience. Sex is not for people with kids or not kids. Sex is not for people who are uh, adult. Sex is not for people who are mature enough. Sex is not for people who are in love. Sex is not for people who are um, uh, uh, have great experience and have uh, a lot of... You know, sex is not for people who are ready. Sex. You know who sex is for? Sex is for... Married people only. Sex is for married people only. And some of y'all are now looking at your phone because it's a nervous condition that we have. Let me tell you why. Because the marriage demonstrates the relationship with Jesus. This is the way some of you have been relating with Jesus. You fall into the arms of Jesus and say, You are my man. You are wonderful. And then you date other people. And that is the antithesis of what Christ wants for you in relationship to him. Some of us do relationship with Jesus like this. This is destructive. When we go, Jesus, you are my one and only. But excuse me while I make decisions based on my emotions. I sleep with my emotions. Excuse me while I make decisions based upon circumstances. I sleep with my circumstances. Excuse me while I make decisions based upon uh, other people's opinions because I, you know, I deify other people's experience. Now, I'll occasionally call you up for a one-night stand. Oh, Jesus, I really need you now. You know, please come through, right? Occasionally, we'll have the one-night stand with Jesus, but we still are with other lovers. See, there is something... I tell you, there's something precious. There's something precious when a wife with, you know, and a husband with stretch marks and all, 
and molds and all, and, and, you know, imperfections and all, and drooping and all, and weight and all, and all this other stuff, right? It's a wonderful thing when they can be in a room together and change clothes. Not, not necessarily just, you know what, I'm, I'm accepted by you. I don't have to suck in my gut. I don't have to put it out my chest. I don't have to, you know, you know, you know, all the things that we do, right? I don't have to do all that. I'm accepted by you. I'm, I'm loved by you. I'm cared by you. Cared for by you. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you have sex outside of marriage, you are, it's a soul. It's a soulish issue. You hurt your soul. You affect your soul. Listen to me. You know what you're doing when you attach yourself to another person sexually? And then you break up and you attach yourself to another person sexually? And then you break up and you attach to another person sexually? You know what you're doing? Practicing for your divorce. Because it's a soulish issue. Jesus doesn't want to be just one of your guys. He wants to be the only guy. And that's why marriage illustrates our relationship with Jesus. Because in marriage, you say, I am going to be with you till death do us part. I'm going to, I'm going to respect and submit, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to nag. I'm not going to be a beast. I'm not going to try to pull into your chair. I'm not going to try to pull into your chair. I'm going to submit. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my life. There's a reason why men die before um, women. I pray it's because they're sacrificing themselves and giving their lives over for their families. There's a re- Listen, you say, when you have this dynamic relationship, you say, wow, the church is supposed to submit to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you have your way. You lead in my life. And I'm not going to be jumping from Jesus to Buddha to feelings to Muhammad to, to, you know, gosh, we can make anything our gods. From our boyfriends, to our 12 steps, to our relationships, to our friends, to our meetings, to our literature, to everything we can make into a God above Jesus. Jesus says, no, 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 I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mind relationships, I don't mind boyfriends, I don't mind those things, but they can't have the place that I have in your heart. Jesus wants to be your one and only. My prayer is that you would see this in the marriage, and that you would live it out in your relationship with Christ. How does this, how does this affect your home? Listen to me. The way it will affect your children, because we are talking, it's a parenting series, the way it will affect your children, is that when you're, listen, what will, what will happen when your kids start seeing a right relationship in your marriage? They'll go, oh man, there's an order to this. You know what? Mommy and daddy, that is what my relationship with Jesus looks like. It looks like daddy sacrificing, providing, protecting, uh, doing everything he can to provide love, cherish, and honor that home. That's what Jesus looks like. And you know what? This is what I see mommy, she lovingly submits, she talks to, she, you know, uh, 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 grows with, she, she does all this. Watch this. That's what I look like in my relationship with Jesus. 
So this is what my God looks like, and this is what my church looks like. The church, not the building, the church. My prayer is that you would, single moms, if you don't get, please, this is where the church could really be of great benefit to you. So here's what I want you to do. If you're a single mom, if you're a widow or a widower, if you're a single dad, here's what I want you to do. I want you to use this church as an opportunity. You know, if you're a single dad, maybe you can get around other families and just, you know, go to the married couple. And I I don't recommend doing a single, you know, going with other singles, but just going, you know, like let's say I'm a single dad, right? And I got four kids. And I go and I find another married couple and I sit down with them and I go, you know what, I, I need like a surrogate mom. I need somebody to help out here. I just, you know, I got three girls. There are things that they're going through. I just don't understand it. Transformations in their bodies. There are liquids that are coming out that I just don't understand the emotions behind. And just, can you please, can you please help me? There's not a woman in this church who would say, you know, I just, no, I ain't going to, no. It's as simple, it's as simple as that. Or if you're a, a single mom, you come to me. Come to Claudio. Come to Gus. Come to, and just go, you know what? I just need them to be around dudes. I need them to be around guys. I need them to, I need them to, sh- I need to show him what a, a, a man really looks like. Could, could, could my son hang out with you? Maybe we can all go fishing or maybe you guys can go fishing, you know, or whatever. You know, that's, I, I can't tell you. There's a, a guy in this church, he's, he's not here today, he just came back from vacation. His name is Pedro. I can't tell you how much he's blessed me in my relationship. And I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a guy, I got a wife, but this is where the church excels. Did two things for my son that I'll never forget. He took us to fish. Nastiest thing in the world. I won't ever do that again. It's gross. Like, I, you know, it's cool to eat fish after it's been sassoned and all that other stuff and filleted. Catching fish is a nasty business. I'm not down with that. But he taught my son, and he taught me how to, how to fish. It's just tremendous. I still don't know how to fish, but, you know, I, I got an idea. Like, it's worm and, you know, nasty and blah. Right? I'd rather bite. Um, but watch this. This is really, really key. Every time he's with my son, he takes him out. Takes him, I mean, and it it means it might mean nothing to my son. It might mean nothing to Pedro. It might mean, it means everything to me. He looks like Jesus to me when he does that with my son. I can't imagine what you single moms would feel like. If somebody, so guys, here's what I want you to do. Guys, if you're here, I want you to figure out who are the single moms and invite them over with your wife's, you know, understanding what you're doing so that, you know, she can, your wife can come in because your wife can help her as well, you know. Your wife can serve the mother and, you're, and you can serve the children, right? Invite them to your house. Invite them to your house so that, listen to me, so that they could see what a biblical... And then you go, but wait up, our marriage is not that biblical. We scream and we shout and we, you know, all this other stuff. Great. Then, the, then, the, then your idea is not to stop, not invite people over. Your idea then is to work on the marriage, this is a marriage that I want to be able to present because if you're not working on it, then other people are not getting blessed. Does this make sense? And so what I want us to do is to be a biblical community where men are, are teaching young boys how to fish and, and you know, cut a fish, like cut a fish, and, you know, and, and, and where, you know, and fillet a fish, right? And just, you know, all that stuff, right? Men other than me. And, and so, and, and, you know, teach them how to, how to you know, how to change the oil in a car. You don't know how important that is to a guy. A young, t- teach me. 
Teach them how to change the oil on a car or change the brakes or change a flat tire. Like, that's big, man. And then uh, uh, maybe some, some of you women, especially you older women, please get you some younger women around you and start going, you know, you probably shouldn't speak to your husband that way. You probably shouldn't speak. You should And get you these young, and then, you know, you teach them. You, te- you know, I, I'm just begging the older guys. Listen, take guys home. Teach them how to press a shirt. Simple stuff. You don't have to do a Bible study. Press a shirt. Teach them how to, how to, how to grill a steak. Do, you know, you know, man stuff that you could just kind of do together and teach them how to, be, because nobody taught me how to be a husband. I had to figure this out by myself. And as a result, had about eight to ten years of living hell. I'm not speaking as someone who's had a perfect relationship. As a, uh, my wife will tell you, there was a, you know, I tell people when I talk about our marriage, I said there was about eight years where it was like the tsunami that happened, and you know, there was a tsunami that killed like over a hundred thousand people, and then there was the 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 World Trade Center collapse, and then there was what happened in New Orleans with the levees that broke. Right? It was all three of those tragedies, all in the same same day, every day, for eight to ten years. It was a nightmare. I worked over a hundred hours a week so I wouldn't have to come home. I fell asleep on the Williamsburg Bridge three times. The only thing that saved me was there's a barrier. Anybody knows why the barriers are straight and then come in some? I figured it out. Because when your car starts to collide against them, you rub up against your wheels. It makes a terrible shaking and, and, and horrible sound so you wake up if you fall asleep listen I'd ra- I've risked my life so I wouldn't be home and my wife felt the same way I was impossible to be with listen to me I wish I would have had a church where an older husband would have came up to me and said yeah, Edward you're a little harsh you're, you're, you're. I remember I was in a meeting not too long ago and I answered my wife just real quick because I just had I was in a meeting and a brother, older brother, came up to me. Not came up to me. He was in the meeting. He said, all he, this is all he said. He goes, that was harsh. And then we went right back into the meeting. That was it. Total repentance. I was like, man, I blew it again. I didn't even see it. Went to my wife and just said, I'm sorry about that. What's, we do it together. Okay, so what am I saying? I'm saying that the marriage is organized as roles, not hierarchy. Equality, yes, but different roles. Husband, you're to lovingly lead and sacrifice. Your job is to die. If you're not willing to die for the woman, don't marry her. If you're not willing to die for her kids, don't marry her. If you're not willing to die and lay down your life on a daily basis, do her and them a favor. Grow up before you marry her. Wife, uh, I want to hear one more time now. Uh, uh, your job, if you're not willing to allow him the authority in the household, if you're not willing to submit to the decisions even though you disagree, if you're not willing to allow him to drive the car, then do him and everyone else a favor and grow up until you're ready to do that. Or... Find yourself someone with better leadership and sacrificial skills or someone who's growing in that way. I know that this message is not an easy message for a lot of us. 
But I'm convinced that as long as we start living according to God's will and God's purposes, we'll see a lot better than we've seen. And my prayer is that you would be um, provoked for that. So I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to um, instruct you on two things. Get your yellow cards out. Would everybody get your yellow cards out? Get your yellow cards out. Get your, the yellow cards are in your bulletins. You can get them out. You can fill them out as you like. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to give you some instruction about these yellow cards. Father, um, this... Oh, Lord. The marriage so is a... Dem- you, you put it in your word that the marriage is a demonstration of Jesus' love and relationship to the church. You say it over and over in this passage, and you say it over and over in the Bible. I pray, O oh God, that for some of the couples that are here, that they would just change roles. Some, some, Lord, some of them need to pull off the road, find themselves a counselor. I hope it's in this church, Lord, that we might be able to counsel them. And they just need to discuss what this looks like. I pray that they would make appointments. I pray that they would uh, ask for your help. I pray that they would submit to your authority. I pray that you would help them in this process. Father, some need to just kind of pull off the road and get somebody else to start driving so that they could um, put this marriage thing back together. They're on the brink of divorce. Maybe they're separated already. Lord, you know. Only you know. And they know. So Lord, would you just please help them in that situation? Father, I also pray for those. I pray for those who are dating. Lord, that they would just... Lord, that they would just pursue you. And that they would see that your wisdom is better on this side of the street than suffering and catastrophe because they did their own will. Father, I pray that the women would pick men. Men who love Jesus. Men who would be willing to lead and to sacrifice and to love even if it costs them their lives. And Lord, I pray that the men would choose women who would respect them, submit to them, and lovingly be led by their sacrificially loving husband. Father, I pray that. And I pray that, Lord, the children, I pray for the children in my home, Lord, that this would be their story, that this is what they would see, that they would see in me that they would mistake me for Jesus and they would mistake Liz for the church. I pray that for every marriage in this church, Lord, would you help us to grow in love with you and adoring you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now watch. 